This is tonight, this evening, for our time zone, begins Rosh Hashanah, which will then end Tuesday night uh, in the evening. And we discussed it a little bit that Rosh Hashanah is the first day of the Hebrew New Year by the Hebrew calendar. And uh, this would be starting this year because it goes according to moons on the 29th of Elul, which is the month uh, 5779. That's when the Hebrew calendar began. And it's a cycle. It goes through in, in reading the Torah in the temples, it begins at Simcha Torah, which will end this high holy day period of time, starting with Rosh Hashanah, then we go into Sukkot, uh, for, then, no, I'm sorry, Rosh Hashanah, then Yom Kippur, from Yom Kippur into Sukkot, Sukkot into Simcha Torah, where there's the reading of the word in the Torah, and then starts again uh, the study of the Torah, which is basically the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses. Special readings given um, on Rosh Hashanah include out of Genesis, and basically it's the entire chapter of uh, Genesis as it prevails from Genesis 21 uh, and on. And there's different readings that people stand up and do. Well, in that particular chapter, it's when the promise of Abraham uh, was fulfilled, and all of a sudden Hannah is sent out, and God makes a promise also to her son, and it shows that God blessed her on Rosh Hashanah, even Hannah, uh, along with affirming the covenant. And then uh, what's also read and acknowledged is Numbers chapter 29. And Numbers chapter 29, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It just says, and in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work, for you it is a day of blowing the trumpets. And then there are various sacrifices that are made. And the Lord says that according to this ordinance, it is a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. So today is a sweet aroma unto the Lord. And it's also a time to prepare our hearts. Uh, they're called the 10 days of awe. And that's what prevails right after. And those are all days of repentance and, 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 and reflection and introspection, looking into our own hearts, preparing for the Day of Atonement. Well, we already live the Day of Atonement daily, don't we? And we're covered in the blood of Jesus. But that doesn't mean that we want to annul the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord says to honor this day forever. So we honor it not because we're, we're asking for the forgiveness of sins. We're asking God to give us hearts of repentance and humility to walk forth with a power, a power of righteousness of God. So we are the ones who've received those promises. So in a little while, uh, we're gonna blow the trumpets and uh, we're gonna celebrate and release uh, Rosh Hashanah, but also sow into Rosh Hashanah, and I'll discuss that in a little bit, so that we could receive the fruits of the righteousness of what God is doing then in our lives. We have been talking about righteousness, and uh, I have a lot to cover. I don't think we'll get to it again, all of it, but I want to cover some high points. I'd like to go to uh, John 15, and in John 15, Jesus in the first four scriptures talks about his father being a pruner. He's a gardener and he does a great job pruning the garden and that every branch that has no fruit, it says he will cut it off. Uh, but, he, but he says, those who remain in me, I remain in you and no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. Now, this is something that shouldn't be new to most of you, and I do want to welcome those who are online. God bless you. You're on the other side of the world. You already are into Rosh Hashanah, and we thank you for that. We thank you for those who have reached out all the way through the night, blessing me with Shana Tova. Thanks back to you. Um, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, now listen to this. If you remain in me, and my words, my words, my words, my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. 
Now, how many of you really believe that? How many of you say, I, have a, I believe it, but I'm having a hard time receiving it? Huh? Be honest. I believe it, but I'm having a hard time receiving it. Because I've asked for things, and I don't know if I got them or not. I don't think I did. Um, we're going to deal with that in a moment. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. The key to that mystery about receiving whatever you ask for is to bear fruit. If you don't bear fruit, then we're not sowing the seed for the fruit. And that's why it says in the word, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then he'll supply everything you need. We go to the things instead of to bear the fruit. If we bear the fruit, then the things shall follow. So we just need to change our attitudes and our mindsets in what we do. You don't need to beg God over and over and over for the same thing. You thank him for it. You deposit it with him. You thank it. You leave it with him. And then you sow into it. You sow into it with fruits. Fruits of doing what God has called you to do. I've always said that you never find more compassion in somebody who has been able to have a victory or understands the pain of something that they had to overcome in their life and they can minister that to somebody else. Nobody's better at it than somebody that's been there. You can learn all the counseling in a book, but if you don't have the passion or the compassion, then it doesn't touch a heart, does it? But when you've been down and out, when you've been persecuted, when you've had to believe God for something and it happens, you're very passionate about it with somebody else, aren't you? You can share it with them because you say, I really know how you feel. I really know where you're at. You don't know where somebody's at in the middle of the night when they can't sleep and they have insomnia and, and they have anxiety and they're trying to overcome the things and, and their life cycle is broken and it just becomes a cycle that repeats itself of failure and depression and anxiety. You really don't know what that's like unless you've experienced it. But when you do, then you have compassion for it and you don't take a clinical approach. You take a spiritual approach in love. I don't know about you, but in my worst times in my life, I wasn't too happy about the clinical approach. It didn't really minister to me. It had all kind of scientific ways about getting somewhere, and they always put the caveat, but the vast majority of people fail. <laughs> Boy, you love that, don't you? Most of you will repeat the cycle over and over and over, and then finally, you might break it. We don't want to believe in that. We don't want the clinical approach. We want the passionate approach. We want to bear fruit. And so a lot of times we don't receive what we should because we're not sowing into what God wants us to do to bear the fruit. Receiving, there's a couple kinds of fruit which we're going to talk about. One of the kinds of fruit is what we personally need or ask him for. And the other kind of fruit is the fruit for the kingdom. The Lord will give you fruit when you sow fruit into the kingdom. And it's not if he will, he must, because that's his word. And it's, it's a law of creation. What you sow is what you reap. And let every kind bring forth its own kind. God put those laws in place. He put them with creatures, with fish, with vegetation, with the fowl of the air, with the four-footed beasts, and with the species called man, both male and female. Let every kind bring forth its own kind. Well, if you're the kingdom kind, then you're going to bring forth fruit of the kingdom. And if you bring forth of the kingdom, fruit of the kingdom, then Jesus says, just seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. We're gonna talk about that again in a moment, and he'll add all these things unto you. So we wanna be able to seek the things of God and we want to do it with a heart that says to the Lord, no matter what, I'm going to serve you, Lord. One of the things that we see throughout Scripture is that when God called somebody, one of the most common responses for a person of faith was, here I am. Here I am. 
Well, God has called each and every one of us. It says in Romans that you were predestined. And if you were predestined and foreknown, he says, then you were called. And if you answered the call, then it says that you've been justified in Christ in the righteousness. And if you've been justified, then you've been glorified, which means you're just like God. And so we've all been called, but now we need to answer the call. We've been called for a purpose, and the purpose is the kingdom of God. We want to have faith in the Father's words. To have faith in the Father's words, we need to be those who put his faith in action. Faith without works is... So a prayer of faith without works is dead. We want to put his faith in action. He tells us how to do it. Seek first the kingdom of God. Do the things of the kingdom of God in your prayer of faith. Ask whatever you shall, I will answer it. Not only does he say, we'll answer it, he says, I will give it to you. I will give it to you. You know, there's a couple of answers to prayer, right? You all know that. One is yes, one is no. <laughs> and one is yes, but wait. We don't like the no, we don't like the yes, but wait. We like the yes. But the yes is assured if you seek first the kingdom of God, is it not? And then God in his wonderful timing, he does it in his way. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, let's go to 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 11. 2 Corinthians 9. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all abundance or liberality which causes us thanksgiving through us to God. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower, where do you get your seed from? The sower. I don't care whatever your seed is. I don't care if it's your good works. I don't care if it's your honest labor. I don't care if it's your money. I don't care if it's you uh, showing love and helping people. Whatever it is that God has given you, he's the one who supplies it. And he gives the bread for food and supplies and multiplies the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now, we cannot in our own way do works unto righteousness, correct? We've discussed this in ad infinitum over the last several weeks. You have been made the righteousness of God. He was made sin who knew no sin that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you are made the righteousness of God, it's not just a type of person, it's who you are. You are the righteousness of God. You've become just like Jesus, righteous. So there's a faith unto the righteousness of God, but then there's a faith that comes from the righteousness of God. I tell you that the greater faith is coming from the righteousness of God. We need faith in Jesus to become the righteousness of God, but once you are the righteousness of God and you sow the fruits of that righteousness, then God says, I'm gonna give you everything that you ask for. And so we come short of it because we want the things without doing the fruits of the righteousness. But the fruits of the righteousness are the greatest expression of the faith from the righteousness. It says, Jesus himself said, the world will know that you sent me in John 17. These are my people. They will know that you've been sent of God by what you do, not just by what you say. In fact, one of the greatest hypocrisies that's always used against Christians is they don't do what they say. The world loves to judge Christians for not doing what they say. Christians like to judge Christians for not doing what they say. <laughs> but God says there's a righteousness that comes from him that when we do the works of the fruits, he will then give you whatever you ask for. And that that seed that he's given you will multiply. It will multiply. Think of it this way. If you come short and just ask for things, what kind of a seed are you asking for? One seed. So if God gives you the one seed, you're done. Okay, I gave you the one seed. Now eat that seed and you don't have any more seed to multiply. But if you come from righteousness and faith, then God says he's gonna multiply that seed. So that when he gives you the one thing that you've asked for, guess how many more things are there that you've already sown? 
ad infinitum. Are you getting it? Is it starting to make a little sense? You're looking like, what is he saying? Okay, I'm going to keep, how many say, I think I'm getting it. At least help me out here a little bit. Okay, okay. It's, it's, it's a very prophetic revelation. But it's not something that isn't grounded in the word of God. This is the word of God. So let's continue to build on that. You need to know who you are and what you're supposed to do. Sowing the fruits of your righteousness with a seed that multiplies seed. That's what we want to do. We want to have the greater faith. What's the greater faith? Sowing the seeds of righteousness with seed that multiplies seed. I don't want to run out of the blessings of God. You know, I might ask God for a car and he'll give me a car with four flat tires and a blown engine. What good is that? I want a car that's fully abundant and equipped and working. He may say, well, you got to wait a little bit because I've got a better one coming for you. Fruits of righteousness. 1 Corinthians 9.13. Do you not know that those who minister the holy things, either the things of the temple and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar? Those who minister the holy things, they do what? They eat of the things. What temple? God's holy place. If you're ministering the things of God, if you're establishing yourself for an altar, where is God's altar here on earth? It's wherever you proclaim his name. Wherever you proclaim his name, in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, wherever you establish his name, he says, that is my altar and I will make it my presence and my place. And so when you're walking with the identity of Jesus, you're a walking altar. If you're a walking altar, he says, minister the holy things from the altar. And he says, if you do, you are then entitled to eat of those things. Because you're a minister and a priest in the altar of God. You say, well, that was given to us in the law, but Jesus fulfilled the law. He just made it easier for us. He said, you don't have to go through the veil and tie a rope and hope that the bell keeps ringing when you go in in case you get slain. Come in boldly into the throne room. And from that place, minister the things of the altar. And then eat of the things of the altar. You want to be loved? Minister love. You want to be forgiven? Minister forgiveness. I don't know about you. How much forgiveness do you want? All of it. How much forgiveness should we give? All of it. What happens if you only give a little? How much love do you want? What happens if you only love when it's easy to love? You only get loved when it's easy to love. You understand what you sow is what you reap. This is a principle of righteousness unto faith. So you're ministers. You're ministers at the altar. And because you are, you're allowed to eat of the things of the altar. And those who serve at the altar, listen to this, they partake of the offerings of the altar. Now, what does that mean to us? First of all, I'm taking you step by step. Do you now agree that you minister at the altar of God? Because you're righteous. You're there. You're at the altar of God. There's nothing else you need to do to get there but to believe in Jesus. You go through the blood. You are ministers of righteousness at the altar of God. But there's something else here. He says those who minister at the altar, they partake of the offerings of the altar. Well, wait a minute. Does that mean you're going to eat some of my offering? Yes. Does that mean I'm going to eat some of your offering? Yes. Guess what it's called? Members of the body of Christ because we're in the righteousness of Christ. So I get to benefit from you, and whether you like it or not, you get to benefit from me. We benefit from each other at the altar. Before, it was only the priest and his family. They got the best lamb, the best beef. They got the best everything except pork and shellfish. They didn't get that. That came after the fact with Peter. Hey, we get to eat the best the best of what God has. So the best of what Pastor Sherry does, I get to eat it. I get to eat it. I get to share in the best of what Janine has. You get to share in whatever you find that is good in what I have. We share at the altar because we have the right to minister at the altar. 
And because we are ministering at the altar, those things that we sow, we have the righteousness of God to partake of them. But we have to be at the altar. We have to be at the altar. What is your altar? If your altar's give me, give me, give me, give me, God says, wrong altar. That's an altar of self. That's an altar of self-righteousness or selfishness or ignorance. Call it whatever you want. But when you go humbly into the altar of God and you seek first the kingdom of God, God says, I'm going to give you everything that you want. And by the way, take a little bit of this. And I liken it to this, you know. Um, my mother was notorious for loading people up with food. You come to our house, you get, right, Cindy? You come to our house, you get food. You leave with food. There's food for... She didn't even know people. They're there for two minutes. Sit down and eat. And then she keep bringing it and bringing it and bringing it and bringing it. And, and then you leave with all this stuff in your hand. You might have come for a dinner, but you left with a feast that lasted a week. And it was good. That's what it is like at the altar of God. You come for a dinner, but God leaves you with a feast. He says, take this, take that, take this. Oh, take this, take this. Well, well, Lord, I I didn't even ask for that. That's right, but I want to give it to you. Righteousness that yields a greater faith is greater than the faith that you have to ask for all the time. What's the greatest agreement? Huh? There's a prayer of agreement, right? If two or more shall agree here on earth and it's done in heaven and there, but yeah, that's good. But how about if you're at the altar and you're agreeing with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? What has the greatest agreement? And then you throw a few members of the body of Christ in with you. Oh, my. That's a three times three cord that cannot be broken. A three times three. It's nine. It's God, 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 and you, you, you multiplied at the altar, at the altar. So we're starting to understand what it means. He says, so that I may increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything with abundance. You see the difference? You can be enriched in one thing, but not with abundance or liberality. This is back in two verses before, 9, 10, 11. We want the abundance of God. What's the capacity of God? Abundance, right? Does God run out? God has it all. Well, what do you want? You want one a ting or you want a bunch? What do you want? You want it all. God says, I want to I enrich you with the abundance of all of it, but you need to come to the altar and minister to things of God. And when you do, I multiply it. Then I can give you abundance. So God loves us so much sometimes that he doesn't answer those little weak prayers because if he did we would never get the abundance. Or we would just be immature little, little baby boomers that are always drinking out of the bottle, just wanting a little bit more milk, a little bit more milk. Just satisfy me right now. And the Lord says, but I got all of this. Just come to the altar and let me give you what you sow. So let's move on. Do you qualify? I want to deal with this quickly. I did before, but I want to build on it a little bit more. Revelation 1, 5 through 6. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. Boy, I wish the earth knew that Jesus rules over all the kings. I wish the kings knew that he rules over all of them. They will someday. It would be better if they did today, wouldn't it? But we do know. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, let's talk about this a second. He's talking here that there's something new. Something new has happened that wasn't before. We weren't kings and priests before. There was an order of kings and priests that always fell short of God, was there not? But now there's this new order. And he says it's somewhat after Melchizedek because nobody knew the origin of Melchizedek. But it's not the Melchizedek order, it's the Jesus order. And the Jesus order is kings and priests. And the Jesus order says that we're those who sing a new song. There's a new song 
and I call it the New Creation theme song. It's not a new song waiting to be sung when you get to heaven or waiting till after Jesus returns again. It's a song we're already singing. It's a song that heaven is singing because there's been a shift in the heavenlies. Old things have passed away. All things are made new. There's a new creation voice that sings out. There's a new creature that's called you, made in Christ. You've been born again, and that born again person has a new voice and a new song. Revelation 5, verse 9, and they sang a new song, the new creation theme song, saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on earth. Well, let's talk about this. This is so appropriate for today. You are worthy to take the scroll. Do you know what the Jews believed and is still being taught in the temple and that which they're praying about today, even at the Western Wall at sundown, and they'll be there at sunrise? They're taking that God will open the scroll and make sure that their name is written into the book again for one more year. Well, guess what? Jesus was worthy to take the scroll. He opened it up and he wrote your name in it and it doesn't get renewed every year. It's not like a license. It's called life, eternal. He's worthy to take the scroll. He took the scroll. Everybody gets so prophetic. Well, there's another scroll gonna open in heaven and that. You are in the scroll. It's the Lamb's book of life. Jesus took the scroll because of his blood because he was slain and his blood gave him the right to take the scroll, forgive the sins and put the names of all those who were predestined and called. You're there. And because you're there, it goes further on. And he says, you've redeemed us by your blood. You've taken us out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. God is not discriminating. We're one blood, one blood, one blood. And God has taken us from everywhere as one blood and put us in that Lamb's book of life. But he didn't stop. And he has made you kings and priests to our God to do what? Reign on earth. God doesn't need a whole bunch of kings and priests in heaven. Everyone is that gets up there can minister at the altar. He needs us here on earth. Right here on earth. You have been made a king and priest on earth to minister at the altar of God, the things of God, to eat and partake of the things you minister, to several them out, and to be blessed with everybody else's offerings here as kings and priests on earth right now. That's who you are. That's why the greater faith comes from righteousness, not to righteousness, because coming from righteousness, you're a king and priest. Going to righteousness, you're lost. So don't stay going to righteousness asking for things. Be kings and priests and declare the things from the altar that God has already given you. You understand? It's a greater faith. You getting it? Now, how many of you say, Pastor, you're helping me a little bit. I'm better than I was. Billy, I see Pastor Sherry. You look like a deer in the headlights the first time. She went, what? Now she's going, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, listen. God gave me this in the middle of the night. It's called the righteousness portfolio. The righteousness portfolio. Strange conversations we have late at night. A long one too last night. First Peter 2.9, this is good. First Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're in the dark, the world's in the dark, but you are a holy person. You are special, and you're part of a holy nation. And in that nation, you have authority as a king and priest. And what you say, what you declare, what you prophesy, what you praise, it brings light into the darkness. Where you establish your altar, there is the light of God. And you come from that altar, not to that altar. Come on, listen to me. 
That's why I tell you, quit praying about how to get to the courts of altar of heaven. You are the altar of heaven. I, I want to be there. I am it. And if I'm it, then whatever I say, wherever I go, whatever I do, it has God's seal on it. It's called his royal diadem. Remember we talked about it? You are a royal diadem in the hand of the Lord. He's given the seal to you. You have the seal of the king. You're not going in your own authority. You're going with the seal of the king. You have a righteousness portfolio. Well, what's a portfolio? It's a letter of credence is one thing it's called. A letter of credence, it's a formal diplomatic seal that appoints somebody as an ambassador to another place, to another state. And it's commonly known as diplomatic credentials. Guess what? You're ambassadors of God. You're ambassadors to the nations. You're ambassador to the workplace. You're an ambassador to the school. You're ambassador to your family. You're an ambassador to the church. You're an ambassador to the world. You're an ambassador to wherever you go because you have credentials. And the credentials say, I'm a child of God. The credentials say, he has plans and purposes for me. I'm not the tail, I'm the head. I'm just like Jesus because Jesus is in me and I'm in Jesus. Where I go is the altar of God because it's the name of Jesus. And if I go with the altar of God and have the seal of God, I have ha, 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 diplomatic immunity. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. I got diplomatic immunity. Nothing can touch me. Nothing can take me down. Nothing can stand against the word of God that comes from my mouth because I'm an ambassador of God sealed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I have power in his name. And when I minister from the altar, whatever I ask for, he shall do. Ooh. I was sharing this a little bit last night with my old Bible teacher. Who loves righteousness he said oh my god he says you've gone to a different place i said no the lord's taken us to a different place he said wow faith from righteousness faith from righteousness i like the idea of having the righteousness portfolio and now if we discover what ministers, every minister gets a portfolio. You know, they get a different portfolio. You're the minister of foreign affairs. You're the minister of religion. You're the minister of human rights. You're the minister of shipping and exporting. You're the minister, you're the minister of the righteousness of God. Oh, oh my Lord. Oh my Lord. Ha. A holy nation. We're a holy nation. Man, when the body of Christ gets the revelation of being a holy nation, forget about it. Forget about it. Everything is going to change here on earth. And even though gross darkness shall cover the earth, arise and shine for the glory of the Lord is upon you. You are the light in the darkness. What you say changes everything everything and then what you ask you get you get you get you see needing some gasoline in your tank when you need it is really important isn't it and, and if you can't afford to get it it's extremely important but God says he's going to give it to you so you know what I have to do sometimes I just have to believe God okay that thing that I need that's really important to me it's probably not as important to God because he said he's already given it to me, so let me do this. How many of you have ever been in a car that was on E and it went like another 100 miles? How many of you tried to turn your wheel and it wouldn't turn, it wouldn't turn, it wouldn't turn, and then if it had turned, you'd have had a head-on accident? How many of you have seen God intervene in your life with the impractical because it was the practical solution for what you needed? I can tell you one thing. I remember coming down in Salem Air Park at dark, and I came in a little hot in a fast airplane. I laid that thing down, and it just started skidding and skidding and skidding. It did, wouldn't break. And something about airplanes, when you get down below the rotational speed, you got to just keep going because if you try to take it back up, it will kill you. 
you'll stall and go straight down. So I'm heading towards the barricade, towards the wall right there that's coming down on the freeway. And I'm seeing it, and I'm seeing it, and I'm seeing it. And I cry out, Jesus! And all of a sudden, my plane does a ground loop. Whoop, whoop. Comes to a complete stop 10 feet from the wall. Two other people in the airplane. One was a reverend son, and the other one was Jim Hardwood. They said, what happened? I said, I don't know. Well, thank God we stopped. Yes, do thank God we stopped, because I didn't do it. I got out of the airplane, put my feet down, and went, and was filled with oil from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. They had oiled the the, uh, airfield and didn't tell anybody. There was no tracking action. But God preserved me. If I'd asked God for one thing, what would have been, Lord, don't let me get hurt when I hit the wall? How about not hitting the wall? And it didn't even hurt the airplane. Nothing. Only thing I had was oil from here to there. Maybe I needed to be oiled. I don't know. Even though it was black oil, it might have been, you know, an anointing. I don't know what it was. It was from here to there. I rejoiced in the Lord. They sang a new song, a new creation song. You have a righteousness righteousness portfolio. And one thing an ambassador does when they're sent to become an ambassador to a country from a head of state, they bring a sealed original, and then they bring an unsealed copy of their credentials. They have them both. One that they give to the common people and one that's sealed that cannot be broken. You have both. You're both a king and a priest. You have one that is sealed as the priest of God that cannot be broken, and you have one that's in the Lamb's book of life. You have the other one that's a king that has dominion, and it's unsealed, and it says to the whole world, that's my daughter, that's my son. They have dominion. You're a king and a priest, and you have a righteousness portfolio. And as the king, you have dominion. As I told you, it's horizontal. And it takes over territory and places. As a priest, it's vertical, and it's the altar of God. Wherever you go is the altar of God ministering to you, from you, and with you, and by you. The altar of God. Okay, I'm going to move on quickly here. The portfolio operates in a government. We are told that the increase of this government has no end, Isaiah 9. The increase of his government without end. If the increase of the government is without end, then that means your portfolio in that government is without end. Right? If you're an ambassador from the United States and you're sent to somewhere, What's supposed to happen is that if anything happens to that ambassador, it's just like it happened to the whole country. Unfortunately, sometimes it hasn't happened that way. When you're sent with Christ, whatever happens to you happens to the kingdom. Mm. Whatever happens to you happens to the kingdom. You know what some other words for righteousness are? Justice and judgment. Do you know what Rosh Hashanah is? It's a day of judgment. It's a day when the old things need to be judged and put away, and the new things need to be put in place. We're in that place where we're walking into new things of God. Old things have passed away. All things are made new. It's a day of Rosh Hashanah in our lives. You're walking with a portfolio as a king and as a priest. Jesus is the head of the church. If we look at Isaiah 9, 7, and I'm going to read out of the New International Version. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now look at how it starts. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Think of this. David's kingdom was established as a government here on earth, right? However, after Christ took his place, that government was established from heaven on earth. It started off on earth. You start off on earth, but what you establish is in heaven, and then heaven establishes your authority here on earth. 
The Davidic kingdom is a kingdom of God, not because what David did here on the earth, it's because of what Jesus did on the earth and God did there. And because of that, that government, which you are a minister of, is without end. And it's a government of increase and of peace, and look at it, it's established and upheld with justice and righteousness. What upholds your ministry here on earth? The righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. That's why faith from righteousness is greater than faith from earth to heaven. I'd rather have the faith that comes from heaven to earth and the righteousness of Christ because that's what's upholding the kingdom here on earth. If it's upholding the kingdom here on earth and you're a member of the kingdom here on earth with a citizenship in heaven, then that means that God's upholding you with his righteousness. And that righteousness is all God and nothing else can intervene in it. Just a little bit more to make you get aware of what it means for you. You are the ministers. You have a diplomatic portfolio. You're kings and priests of a government without end. You are a minister of the government, and Jesus is the head of the church. There's only one place, one place that we know of, where the kingdom of a government and the church merge together. It's called Christ. Christ has a government. Christ has a church. Christ doesn't separate his government from the church or his church from the government. That's why as much as we love democracy and we love this separation of church and state, it's not Christian. Do you understand that? It's not Christian. We are those who walk in a merged holy nation. It's a nation with a government without end and a body of Christ that is forever growing. We have a merged situation as kings and priests. And the government and the church of Jesus Christ are one and the same. It's the Davidic kingdom. You got it? So don't get confused. Don't get confused with politics. Don't get confused with constitutions. Don't get confused with charters. Don't get confused with great eloquent speeches about all of this. We walk with one portfolio as a king and a priest, and he's the head of state, Jesus Christ. It's his government, it's his church. Can we legislate away abortion? Yes. Should we? Yes. How does it hold water with God? It does not. Anything that's against the body of Christ, he doesn't care what nation it calls itself, is exempt from the holy nation. And the holy nation prevails. That's the word of God. Makes things simple for us when we understand it. It cuts through everything. And we understand who we are and what we are. Yes, we're here on this earth and you're in this world, but you're not of it. You're not of it. You're the light and the darkness and the world is dark. And the governments, no matter who they are, none of them have fulfilled what God has said to do. There's only one holy nation and Jesus Christ is the head of state. Amen? Amen. Okay, I'm going to jump right over to here, and I'm going to go to 2 Peter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Stop and let that settle in for a moment. Not those who have, through faith, obtained righteousness. Read what it says. Have obtained faith, precious faith, with us by, through, the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you see the difference? There's a faith unto Christ. You take that faith unto Christ and you get saved. You're washed in the blood and now you're made righteousness. But those, those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, once you've crossed in to the realm of the righteousness of God, now there's a faith that comes through righteousness. There's a faith to righteousness and a faith through righteousness. The faith through righteousness is where you're operating as a king and a priest. 
The faith through righteousness is where you have the righteousness portfolio to be a minister here on earth. And whatever you do, partaking of the altar, you're allowed, serving the altar, you're allowed to partake of it, to distribute it, and to receive from it. That's the faith that comes by righteousness, not into righteousness. Understood? This is important. This is important. I want to move on with another scripture. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 again. Because we're going to end with this. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Somebody say, all grace. How much grace? All grace. How much grace do you need? All grace. How much grace in things? All things. How often? All the time. Is it there? Yes. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he is dispersed abroad, he is given to the poor because his righteousness endures forever. The source and supply is his righteousness. When we begin to understand that, then we understand why he said, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and I will supply all things to you. The source of all things is his righteousness. The source of all things is his righteousness. That's why if you seek the kingdom of God, but you fall short of the righteousness understanding, then you're gonna keep seeking things instead of the things flowing to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will give you all things, sufficiently, abundantly, here we go. Bearing the fruits of righteousness. When we bear the fruits of righteousness in our lives, this is what you will be. Think about these. There's about 10 points here. Blessing and helping folks. Pretty simple. Fruits of righteousness in our lives. Blessing and helping folks. I call it generous. Boy, I love generous people. I do. Not because of what I expect for me, because I watch their lifestyles. I watch what they do for other people. Man, when I see a generous person, I just want to do everything I can to help them. I want to bless them. And I have to tell you something, I wasn't always generous. I don't know if I'm generous enough. I'm not trying to say I am. But I love generous people. I love generous people. Healing their diseases. When the fruits of righteousness are in our lives, this is what you do. You heal their diseases. You open the word of God to them because you're coming from the righteousness of God. You break the power of the adversary over their lives because you're the light in the darkness coming from righteousness. You teach them how to live in the will of the Father. You teach them how to enjoy all the fullness of his grace. And by showing forth in our daily walk a fearless fellowship with the Father, Fearless fellowship with the Father. Not intimidated. Nothing is going to move you with God. You tell everybody that. You show everybody that. You live with that. A fearless fellowship with the Father. A fearless attitude towards the adversary and his works. Go get him. Go get him. Don't stand for it. Fight it back. Name it. Destroy it. How many of you know one of the names for the, the Lord is the destructor? Huh? So if you're coming from righteousness, what do you have the power to do? To destroy the works of the adversary, the destructor. You have a righteousness portfolio that says destroy. Not, you know, coming to righteousness, you can have the shield of faith and all you're doing is dodging fiery darts. But coming from righteousness, huh? You got the bow and arrow, and you're shooting them down. Which one you want to be? You know what happens if you don't cover your backside too well and those darts are coming? You get pinched to be nice. But you know what happens when you're this way with the Lord coming from righteousness? Yeah, you got the shield, but you also got the gun. Destroy the works of the enemy, the destructor. 
You could spend all day in spiritual warfare if you want to, but maybe cross over to the righteousness side and put the enemy to flight. Amen? Oh, you can fight, 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 you know, 12-round fight, get hit, hit back, get hit, get hit back. Or you can just come out and KO them right off the bat. Where I come from, there never was such a thing as a fair fight. You fought to win. Amen? Never caught me in a street fight trying to have a fair one. My whole, my whole goal, I didn't know how to pray, was to get out with my teeth. Didn't care about the nose, dents in the head, broken ribs, but I wanted my teeth. I wanted my teeth. When we're coming from righteousness, you're a warrior. And what you say has resilience. And guess about the increase of his government. He said he will perform it because of the zeal of the Lord. Did you see that last part? When it says the increase of his government, Isaiah 9, she'll go, and the zeal of the Lord will make this happen. The zeal of the Lord. You see, when I hear the zeal of the Lord, I'm not thinking about, you know, a little meek God that's, you know, just taking it from cheek to cheek. I'm thinking about a God who's giving it back. The zeal of the Lord. Righteousness also means judgment and justice. And God is a judge. And God judges righteously. So, giving the adversary what he needs. A fearless mastery over circumstances. When you are bearing the fruits of righteousness in your life, you will practice a fearless mastery over circumstances instead of circumstances telling you what to do. So that is bearing righteousness fruit. I'm going to stop here, and uh, I don't even know if I'll pick this message back up. It's time to move on to some stuff. However, just like glory and just like everything else that we do, it shall be a part of the foundation of this ministry. Because if we come from righteousness, then we are walking in the full power of God. Both the humility, the repentance, the passion, the grace, but also the power. The power. Your identity now should change. When people say, who are you? Well, I'm a child of God. Maybe you should say, I'm the righteousness of God. That's the greater identity. There's children of God that haven't gotten the revelation of the righteousness. So now you've just, you know, some, of, some people get married and they keep their original maiden name or their other name, their family name, and they put it in, and that's okay. I'm all good with that. Put righteousness in your name now. You're the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I want to take an offering before we blow the trumpets. And uh, if the musicians could come back up, we're going to blow the trumpet in Zion and celebrate. <clears throat> and um, after the offering, I'll release. If you want to go, if you want to stay, I would suggest you do. I believe there's going to be an outpouring of God. I'd like you, as the Lord moves for you after that, to come forward. If you'd like an envelope, please put your hand up. Remember what the Lord said, and this isn't just forgiving. But it is. It's all part of giving. The Lord says that if we sow, if we sow what he has given us, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. We got to sow into God for God to sow back into us. That's just a function of the kingdom of God. It's just a function of his kingdom. And he says, I'll enrich you in everything for all liberality, abundance, which comes through the living God. If you're online and you'd like to give, please just go to your donate button. We appreciate that. Do write to us. I'd like to hear from you and know about you. I get so encouraged from those who write. And uh, we do receive what you've had. Um, we do ask you to continue to pray in our 100 days of prayer. Uh, we'll be putting out some more um, prayer points uh, this week so that you can continue on. We're keeping them light and easy. 
Um, but do pray. Take the time out at noon if you can or some, one of the prayer watches for a little brief period and pray. Watch how this builds up as it goes. Watch how this builds up. And then our, we'll ultimately meet here, Lord willing, on New Year's Eve, December 31st. And we're going to believe God to break open all those prayers that we've lifted up to him and to pour them out on his altar so that they can be distributed and ministered to you and the people of God and the things God has given us to do. If you're online, I'd like you to stay online and, and we're going to minister to you as we end this service and, and go into a celebration and blow the shofars and believe God for what it is. Amen? Thank you. If you're making uh, out a credit card, it's to touch heaven. And other than that, I think there's some donate buttons you could follow online and move with it. Do remember uh, tomorrow um, with Alan Parker and those that are at the, uh, in Tuesday at the Supreme Court. We believe God that there'll be a mighty move uh, in changing the laws of this land. We believe that that has been cracked open. We need to push it through so that it'll reverse abortion. Amen. Um, give Jim Mariotti a, a microphone. Jimmy, share what you saw while we were ministering early while we're collecting the offering, please. Thank you. Glory to the Lamb. When Liam was pray, uh, playing uh, Break Every Chain, wow, I normally don't do this. I saw a, a bunch of chains in a pile. And I said, Lord, what are you, what are you, what are you, why am I seeing this? And he said, watch what happens. The Lord picked up the, the chain, picked it up, and I saw him wrap it around the Supreme Court. I heard, I saw him wrap around every abortion clinic in the United States. <laughs> Not only did I see that happening in the United States, I saw it happening in China and all through the countries that have abortion and allow it. He put that chain that was in a pile and put it around. And I said, wow, why did you do that? And he said, I don't want the people that laid their chains down being able to pick it up and reuse it and bind themselves with it. I'm going to take that righteous chain and use it for the glory of myself, for the glory of God. Wow. I mean, it was real. It was real. Amen. Well, we believe God that we're the generation, and this is our assignment. And uh, he's able, and we're going to see it. We're going to celebrate it. And I believe, I believe it will start here and need to go back across the earth because really uh, legalized abortion, even though there was some going on in nations, that started here and then went around the earth. We sent that out like an evangelism, so we need to change it. Father, we thank you, Lord. For this offering, I ask you to bless those who could give and those who couldn't give equally. Father, we ask you to multiply the seed, even as your word has said, seeds of righteousness that bear fruit, Father, in the things of the kingdom and in the things of the needs of the people. We thank you, Father. We bless it. Let us be good stewards. Thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. If I could have uh, Debbie and Jim going to come up a moment and, and with your shofars, please. That's why they call it the uh, Feast of Trumpets, the time of trumpets. And uh, Jim and I were having a little talk about it. In the Midrash that I know, uh, they would, in the most... Uh, in the synagogues, they would uh, blow the shofar or the trumpet uh, so that it sounded notes 100 times. And uh, of course, we had a discussion, long, short, this, that. I'm not going to ask you to blow 100 times, but, uh, but I am going to ask you to blow the shofar. And we're going to believe God, believe God 
that he's going to open seals for you in your life right now and and do break the chains that have been upon us and not only that but we're going to honor him in the convocation and let us remember this also god loves everybody and he loves his jewish people and so that is there are those that are trying so hard to press into him at certain feasts and times throughout the year let's ask god to extend his grace that he will show himself to them because they're coming at the level of faith that they know but god can take them to a higher level of faith even as as he has done each and every one of us a grace and compassion for god amen go ahead please Amen. Let's celebrate with Blow the Trumpet in Zion. And uh, I'd like you to celebrate. You're free to leave if you'd like to. But then I also want you to come up to get prayed for. Amen. And I'm going to ask some of our ministers to come up to, to anoint and pray. on the city, they run on the wall, crazy army that carries out his word. They rush on the city, they run on the wall, crazy army that carries out his word. The Lord honors his voice before his army. The Lord honors his voice before his army. The trumpet in Zion, Zion, sound the alarm in God's holy mountain. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion, sound the alarm. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion, sound the alarm in God's holy mountain. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion, sound the alarm. Great is the army that carries out his word. They rush on the city, they run on the wall. Great is the army that carries out his word. The Lord honors his voice before his army. The Lord honors his voice before his army. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Sound the alarm in God's holy mountain. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Sound the alarm. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Sound the alarm of my holy mountain. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Sound the alarm. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Trumpet in Zion, Zion, sound the alarm. They rush on the city, they run on the wall. Great is the army that carries out his word. They rush on the city, they run on the wall. Great is the army that carries out his word. The Lord out is his voice. The Lord is on me. The Lord is His voice. The Lord is on me. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Sound the alarm in God's holy mountain. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Sound the 
Thank you, Father. Well, it's time to pray. So we want to, Father, I ask you to let your glory go with us and be around us and about us. Father, we ask you, Lord, to let this season that we celebrate with you be one, Father, that we do look inside our hearts and ask you, Father, to show us things that we can work on and that you will help us with, Lord, and bless us with. Let us do be blessings to others, Father. We thank you, Father, that eyes be opened around this world, that eyes be opened in Israel and in the diaspora of your Jewish people, wherever they are, that eyes be opened to all non-believers, wherever they are, Father, that they can see and be called to you, Father, with a repentance and to walk in to your righteousness. We thank you, Lord. We bless you for what you've done and what you're about to do. Now, Father, as we go forth, let your glory be above us and beneath us and all around us. Hold us in your hands, Father. Guide us and keep us and let us be an apple in your eye. In Jesus' name, amen.